Okay, now have a listen to the start of this song. I'll tell you why in a minute. I was a big man yesterday, but boy, you are seeing me now. Very shortly, I'm going to be talking with Bruce Belland, who is the only original member of the Four Preps. This is the song that uh, you probably might remember them best by. But we went to see them in Palm Springs in California in February of this year. And we met them after the show and I had a quick chat and we said that, well, I said, I'll definitely get back in touch. I said that I was through. Well, Bruce sent me a letter telling me about that particular song and also telling me about this song, which we'll feature in our chat. So uh, this is a song about an island, which is called Santa Catalina. 26 miles across the sea. Santa Catalina is the wind for me. Santa Catalina, the island of romance, romance. It's a very, very romance, special song. It's the song that got them going. All around it, everywhere. Tropical trees and songs. So let's make that call. But for me, nothing that's away there. Romance. Hello? Hello, is that any better? That solved it. Oh, good, good. No, hey. it didn't. It's, it's coming back at me again, but I can uh, I can make it work. It's just a little distracting, but let's not worry about it. I, I think um, what it might be, uh, I live near a mountain, and I do think now and again, when the when the weather turns a little bit um, inauspicious, it seems to it seems to do this. <laughs> so we we let me know if it's a big problem. Yeah, it's it's a big it, uh, it it's still there, but it's it's a little more vague than it was. I think we can make it through. Okay. Um, now, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to, uh, to to have this interview is that basically um, we came out to Palm Springs. We have folks in Palm Springs. Oh my goodness! Yeah, um, I don't know. You might have heard of them. They call themselves the Bakers. It's my father-in-law and his wife. And Burks is eighty-six. He's still a working act. Um, I love it. Yeah, oh, oh, to be honest with you, when I first came out, I came out about 15 years ago to Palm Springs, and the older people inspired me to, to change my life completely. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I was working. About that, huh? Well, I was working in a college, and um, uh, you know, I didn't feel I was I was really getting the best out of my life. I was just uh, just doing a job, really. And I have an act like yourself. I I, I do um, a cabaret act, and I just felt no. If um, if I'm going to waste my life in a college, I, I want to do something with my life. So I went. Um, I, I packed the college in and came out to Spain to sing rock and roll and do the radio. And <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> and then, of course, 
coming back the second time uh, and seeing the follies and it's that amazing show where everybody's over 50 yeah I know isn't it amazing oh we've had more fun that was an experience I will never forget I'm hoping we can do it again well of course um, you know I don't expect you to remember me personally but but I and my wife had my uh, photograph taken with you um, you did yes yeah I've got a lovely lovely photo of us and um, I did say uh, I, I, I can't remember whether it was to yourself or one of the four you know I said look I'll, I'll get in touch with you as soon as I get back um, and uh, realistically this is the first sort of time I've had to be able to quickly make a call and um, here we are because basically your song was a, a, a song that I've known over the years um, as a DJ had played it on the radio um, and of course when we first came to the Follies I didn't know exactly who or what we'd be meeting uh-huh. uh, so it was just um, a magical experience and, and I mean this is just an extension of that where where in Spain are you? Vince? Well, there's a town called. Um, well, you probably know Alicante is the biggest nearest town. Okay. Um, we're on the southeast coast, and ah. and and the the town that I actually um, live nearest to is a town called Benidorm. And that town has uh, a lot of cabaret uh, venues, and and I came here because I could um, sing rock and roll, and up till the recession about a year ago you know there was plenty of work about yes yes as it is it's um you know it just is a question at the moment of survival like it is for most people you <laughs> <Yeah>. know <laughs> well at that i'm afraid is worldwide so i i absolutely relate to it yeah yeah, yeah. um let me ask you then uh, about you know the song that you uh, were writing about the 26 miles yes um because that that uh, you know funny enough i could relate very quickly to that because we have an island the coast here and we also had an island where i used to live back in england which was off the coast and it seemed to to sort of pull me towards it so i thought that was quite um funny that you should have that song you know yeah well that 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 little song about that little island has been awfully good to me over the years i must say yes and and of course um i i had to have a chuckle when you said that you picked up your ukulele which was a chick magnet <laughs> because you know it, it was the same in england if you could play a guitar and i couldn't by the way but you know not at the, not in those days um uh-huh. there was a lad at school and when i saw him playing his guitar i just you know i sat and marveled he only yeah. played two or three chords probably but you know the fact that he was playing was brilliant <laughs> well you know and it's so commonplace now i mean when my when my daughters were in high school half the kids played guitars and were in some kind of band but when i was in hollywood high in the 50s it was i mean there were a handful of kids on campus who were musicians at all or could play any kind of instrument or were in a band but mm. uh so you know it, it's it's much more widespread now i mean the the guitar has taken over the world it seems but uh, yeah. in those days yeah the ukulele and i always took it with me everywhere i went that was my <laughs> You know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a star athlete, so I was the guy with the ukulele. And I, I tend to do this with my guitar, you know, and, and I've made all sorts of friends just by... For example, we went camping in France, and I played my guitar outside my tent, and I found all people coming over to say hello. Sure. And then sure. we got a lovely booking from it as well, which was, which was oh, nice. Oh, no kidding. Hmm? Well, well, now, when you do the cabarets, is that what you play the guitar and, and sing? Or? Well, well I, have, um, I have a guitar vocal about two hours, which I can do on that, and then I have... Have a, 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 
I have a cabaret with a, um, a rock and roller who reckons he wrote all the 50s uh, rock and roll songs so he wrote uh-huh. you know he, he, he wrote for Elvis and uh, Buddy Holly and people like that he didn't of course but you know that's the idea of the character <laughs> and then um, business is illusion you know it is yeah and, and then I do another cabaret which is which is an Irish monk which really I was taught by Irish Christian brothers and um, they were oh, wow. they, they were as daft as brushes <laughs> when, when did you leave UK? Um, about 10 years ago now then you may have been aware of my daughter's band that was quite popular in England Voice of the Beehive well yes I know the name well I didn't yeah. know that yeah that's my two daughters they went over there to England and uh pursued a musical career and got a couple of platinum albums and now they're back dealing with real life you know wow <laughs> this is the sort of thing I'm you know I get this so many times um, I've just earlier today I was speaking with a chap called um, uh, Tony uh, Tony Rivers and Tony was in a band called um, Harmony Grass then he had a backing band which worked with um, Cliff Richards and with Shaking Stevens, you know, oh, two, sure. two huge sure. names. And, yes. uh, you know, th- the more that we talk with people, the more that uh, little things come out, and all these little, um, just lovely coincidences which make life so wonderful. Um, yeah. You know, it's, for, it's, for, I was reading, um, you know, that you met uh, Nancy Sinatra, and uh, oh, yeah, can, could you tell me about that? I'm sorry? C- can you tell me about meeting her? Well, um, we we uh, lived on the west side of Hollywood, in, in, in West Hollywood, quite literally, and that is somewhat adjacent to Beverly Hills, and the next community over from that is West Los Angeles, where University High is located. And a lot of us that lived in West Hollywood, the young guys in particular, would gravitate towards... Beverly Hills and the West Side where all the beautiful girls attended school <laughs> and all of us were off and on dating gals that were in the university high school student body and were in a club with Nancy and through them I met Nancy and she and I began the date and then we all kind of hung out together so the whole West Side clique of uh, teenagers all, all knew each other and uh, all our lives sort of interlocked time and again and mm-hmm. so Nancy and I dated for a while, and I dated other girls in her girls' club, the Tiaras, and um, so we all knew each other in that context, and mm-hmm. then when they chose to uh, go to Palm Springs for the Easter break from school, we all got in our car and hustled down there with our guitars and ukuleles <laughs> and hung out with them. So, And I still know Nancy. I still talk to her now and then, and I had a radio show here in town for a while, and she was a guest on that several times, so uh, we're still in touch, and she's still a friend, and I owe her a lot for having uh, been persistent about 26 miles and how much she and her girlfriends loved it. Mm. I, I always have said I owe her a lot. Yeah, well, uh, I have to say, I mean, that would be a, a, a lovely person to interview. I, I, I started this whole thing about... Um, four or five years ago when I was working for a Spanish station that gave us nothing quite honestly you know we didn't even have a budget so I thought well I thought I just read about podcasting and I thought well if I if I phone up people and tell them which is straight from my heart by the way this is not uh, anything other than honest just tell them that you know loved what you've done and I'd like to thank you in a podcast Um, and and the first one I I spoke with was uh, Gary Puckett Oh, yes, of the Union game. Yeah. Oh, I'm uh, a big fan. And then, se- secondly, um, I spoke with Brenda Lee. 
um, and uh, th then Chubby Checker, and then it snowballed, and I've got this wonderful collection now of the most wonderful Isn't that people. Great? Oh, that's wonderful. But, but I mean, in some ways, you see, it's like. Uh, I, I got a pang of conscience because I wanted to speak to one or two people and uh, they'd suddenly died. And I thought, well, this is silly. If if I can't really pluck up enough courage to just say, well, could, would you like to speak with me? You know, well, I, you know, I'm I, I'm of the vintage Vince, where uh, just about every week some colleague, some dear friend passes, and I keep saying to my wife, boy, you know, all my buddies are. Mm. are just falling off. It, and yeah. this is exactly what happened this morning with Ross Barber, the four freshmen, who is a dear friend and a mentor and a, and a colleague. And I, I just... Uh, so you're right. You have to do it while they're still with us and, yes. and converse. You know, it's... Yeah. I, I've got to that, you know. And, yes, um, yes. I just think it's... There's so many talented people who the world doesn't know enough about, you know. That's right. That's right. Well, I've been encouraged to write a book every time I do an interview like this and I'm in about three years into it I've got about 90 pages done but <laughs> time and again I'll be at the dinner table tell my wife some story she hadn't heard before so well now is that going to be in the book you've got to write yeah. the book so <laughs> but while I'm still around I think I need to get to that and finish it up it's uh, essential I, I bet. you know I, I was trained and mentored by people like George Burns and Dick Clark and Ed Sullivan and Ozzie Nelson and so many of the greats in the industry that took me under their wing when I was just a kid because yeah. I was always curious you know I'd always show up early to every rehearsal and snoop around and learn what I could so they sensed that about me and they would take me aside and teach me great great pieces of wisdom about the business and performing and uh, I just feel like I want to pass that on mm. to younger people uh, rather than just taking it to the grave with me so well, I, I need to finish that book I've got to tell you one thing that really impressed me when I came into the Follies. I mean, obviously the place is impressive, the staff are wonderful, and um, the, what I liked about your act was the fact that the minute you came on stage, you explained that you were the you were you were the only member of the original group. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which which I, I I respected that because so many bands go out and the t the second or third generation of a band. Oh yeah, if that. Yeah, you know, and great. and um. It's quite funny because when I, I when I was looking at this radio station, I had uh, somebody phone me and said he'd like me to do an interview. And um, uh, anyway, um, he told me he was the bass player of, and he named this band. So, of course, I immediately go to the internet and I picked up the the fact that there had been about five bass players. So, of course, when he turned up, <laughs> I, I handed him five pieces of of paper and I said, "Which of the five substitutes for the original band were you?" And he backpedaled straight away, you know, because basically, <laughs> you know, but that was a bit naughty, I think, to, to try and well, pull, you know, you know. And what gets me, too, is some of these third, fourth, fifth generations away from the guys that made the actual records will stand on stage and say, and now here's a song we recorded in 19... Excuse me, we recorded? I don't yes. think so. I mean, I just... The one lone prep still standing. You know. Well, I wasn't too sure what to expect because I I knew the song. Uh, the, the the only one that really really we had over here was probably the big man. I I don't really think. Yes. Um, you, you know, that's the one that we constantly heard anyway. And uh, I know when my daughters first moved to the UK to pursue their career over there, they'd get interviewed, and that was constantly the one that was referred to by the preps as the the, the one that was a hit over there. Yeah. Can, can I ask you the story? Because when I read it, I, I, that tickled me. Uh, you know about the the drummer. Oh, <laughs> that that was funny. <laughs> you mean about the piano player? That yes, yeah, and, and the, the pedal. Being the pedal. Like yes. 
Yeah. Dudley Brooks. I've always kidded him about that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really amazing, uh, and and it's all true. I mean, we we had a big laugh when that engineer finally came into the the, the, the studio and laid a sandbag over the pedal and then took off his tie and tied Dudley's foot to the stool. <laughs> I mean, we laughed for 20 minutes before we could calm down and start recording again. It was pretty funny. Well, you probably relate to this because uh, our, our sort of grounding as a duo was we had to go around all the working men's clubs. And, of course, uh-huh. you know, two guitars become a quartet by the time you have the, the keyboards and the drums behind you. Right, right. And uh, I, I, we, we played in this one place, and... The guy was playing nice bass pedals to the keyboards, but it kept missing, and and, and it was a bit distracting. So at the end of the first set, you know, um, we, we normally turn and thank the backing, and, and anyway, we turned to the guy, and um, I said, look, I, I'm, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but it was a bit distracting because I could hear bump, bump, and then maybe uh, the, the next note would go, and it would come back in. So he said, yeah, he said, We've, I've had trouble with this for a while. So he, he bent down and we pulled away the, um, the, 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 the bass pedals and underneath with a big crease down its back was a rat. <laughs> so you know it was it was quite funny that you know you said that story as well <laughs> oh that tops that tops any story <laughs> i think you'd be able to use that won't you oh, that's <laughs> wonderful <laughs> um can i ask you about the the other three members of the band obviously at the time you know when when you were on stage you did explain it but they come from other big standing names don't they you mean, you mean the the current the current the, the current lineup yeah yes well bob duncan our high tenor is uh, was for 20 years lead singer in the diamonds and uh and then for 9 years after that uh was in the crew cuts wow and yeah. then um you know as, as i think i ex- no i didn't have a chance to explain it on stage in 1958 we had to replace our original high tenor who wanted to go back to college and get his degree so we were auditioning young men all over Southern California to replace him. And Bob Duncan, this fellow who's now in the group, showed up in 1958 and sang like an angel. Yeah. But he couldn't read music. And we had a very heavy recording schedule. And we just couldn't take a chance on someone who couldn't read. And he was still in high school, about to graduate. So I walked him back out to his car after the audition. And I said, you know, you've got such a great voice. And obviously you've got great musical instincts. If you get a musical education, you're going to go a long way. Well, he went to college on my advice and got himself a degree in music and then for 20 years sang in the Diamonds and then for nine years after that sang in the Crew Cuts. And then in 2007, when I wanted to reform the four preps, I called him and some 50 years after he had failed his first audition with the four preps, <laughs> he became a four prep. We tell this on stage when we do our full-length show. That's lovely. So, you know, he gets up and says, I auditioned and now here, 50 years later, I finally made it. I'm a four prep. Oh, so lovely. Bob's got a heck of a background in, uh, in music. Uh, our baritone, Michael Redman, was one of the proverbial boy singers and dancers on all the great variety television shows here in in uh, in, in uh, the states. Uh, Carol Burnett and the Smothers Brothers and Glenn Campbell, all of them had variety shows, and he was one of the the boys in the chorus, if you will. Yeah. And for three years, was a regular on a, a big uh, band show over here called the Lawrence Welk Show. And uh, 
and, and and so he sung background for everybody from Barbara Streisand to Frank Sinatra to Glenn Campbell. So recruited him for this new group. And the bass, Skip Taylor, is our baby. He's only in his 40s, and so he doesn't know who the four preps were from the first <laughs> time around. But uh, he's thrilled to be part of it. He was the, he was in the crew cuts, and I recruited him from that group as well. So they're all really seasoned group singers that have got a great background in the business and know all about group singing. You know, Vince, gr- group singing is a talent unto its, itself. Yeah. It really, uh, you've got to have a particular kind of ear and music sensibility to really work in a group. And these guys, I, I mean, no one will to me ever equal the original four preps and the talent that they had just the raw talent right out of high school yeah but i'll tell you if i had to pick three other guys to sing with these three i'm with now really fill the bill beautifully they're mm. and they're great guys we get along beautifully and we're having a lot of fun you know we do we're working like crazy which i'm going to be 75 in another month and i can't believe i'm people still want to hear us but they do so i'm loving it well, well and it's no wonder though because i i thought the show was wonderful i really love the harmonies um you know uh, for, for me i was already on a high going out to america and it, it was an exciting time uh, but <laughs> that put the icing on the cake we did our version of the, of the Baron Knights. You know, I always, I always kid yeah. the guys in the Baron Knights who sort of took our gimmick of imitating groups and had a couple of hits on their own over there. Yes, that same theme. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the uh, love the jackets and appearance as well. I think that looks absolutely fabulous. You know, and, and the oh, thank you. Uh, well, thank you. well, I've actually um, my my profession is is uh, I, I went and got myself qualified as a teacher. Went into teaching and have come back to showbiz. And um, I'm I'm particularly upset at the moment in the respect that in the UK charts, they have the most foul language in the songs that they have. Oh, Uh, no. Well, yeah, I mean, seriously, I think this rapping stuff is, um, it's a lot more, um, it's a lot more menacing than people realize. You know, I think the... I think you're right. Well, I mean... Something of our our culture. Well, to be honest with you, I, I feel so seriously about it. I have actually written to the Prime Minister in England and I've written to the Sky TV and um, the BBC and people like that. Yeah, because um, as part of another part of my life, I um, I, I did actually do a, a diploma in hypnotherapy. Now, you know, if you listen and do a tape for for good things, and people do, and I've done it myself. Uh, you know, I did have a fear of flying, and I listened to a tape, and it it definitely overcame the fear of flying. But it's got to have a converse, which is basically if you listen to bad words like attack the police, like you know take things from other people, and uh, calling women bitches, and all. oh, it's horrible, it's horrible. And yeah. I, I, I honestly, um, I'm probably sounding really grumpy when I say this, but I think that some of those riots are, are down to things like the words of the music. Oh, I think you're right. Mm. I think you're absolutely right. I, uh, I used to produce a lot of television, and um. You know, they, the thing that was very big there, I'm just talking about the power of suggestion and what you say and hear and how it influences your decisions. Yes. People would fight, you know, in, uh, in a sitcom to get a particular soft drink can on the table in a scene while people are talking. Yes. Because they knew people at home watching that would see that can of Coca-Cola on the table, and at a subliminal level, it would affect their choice next time they went to the market to pick out soda. Yes. So if, in fact... A can placed on a table in a sitcom can influence your later decisions. Why can't language you hear 
also affect you the same way down the road. I, I exactly. Mean, it, it stands to reason. It makes an imprint on you, and you begin to think more and more things are acceptable because you heard them on the radio. I remember riding with one of my daughters when she was a teenager, and we were listening to something on FM. She'd get in the car and punch up the station she wanted on the radio, and at one point, somebody in a, in a lyric said the F word. Yes. And I was shocked. I practically drove off the road. I said, Melissa, I, I, I can't believe that he actually say what I think he did. Mm. She said, Dad, relax. It's FM. Yes. As though that made it okay. It was FM radio, <laughs> so that kind of language was permissible. I mean, it's, yeah, it's very upsetting. It really is. It, well, I, I, I do. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to be boring. I don't want to, uh, to, to feel old. I'm a, you know, I'm a, a, a youngster, really. But uh, when you actually hear some of these things that uh, are, are seemingly acceptable, I, I, th I think no. I think they've gone too far down a road now, and it needs to be brought back. Have you had any kind of response from... No, I haven't. That in itself is disappointing. So one of the things that I'm doing, it's like with my podcasting, um, you, you can stay moaning and groaning about everybody else not, not backing you, etc., or you can do something about it. Um, yes. With the internet now, I, I just put articles in as many places as possible. I try not to preach, just try to offer suggestions to people and hope that people read them and think, yes, he's, he might have a point here, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's probably maybe a better way to go. And it's it's like the radios. Though, uh, so many of the radios now don't want people with personality. They just want a list to uh, to put on a computer so that we don't oh, have yeah. to play a, a per, pay a personality to actually you know be making oh, a show. I know. I have a very dear friend of mine here in in the states named Brian Byrne, who for 29 years was the steadfast. Uh, Hallmark on the oldie station here in town, K Earth 101, which is the the number one oldie station probably in the country. Yeah, he actually has legal right to call himself Mr. Rock and Roll. He registered the name years ago. He has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Ooh. He's very well known. And towards the end of his tenure at K Earth, the station that he quite literally put on the map and took to number one with his personality and he would tell little anecdotes between each song about how it was written or how the group got its name or whatever just fascinating stuff. yes he actually got to the point towards the end of his tenure which is why he ended up retiring where the station director the 28 year old station director you know would call him in and say i timed you between the record three and four you talk for 38 seconds you're gonna have to get that down to 10 seconds <laughs> Well, I've and, just... And Brian said, but that's why people listen to me. They want to know yes. the story behind the music. No, 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 no. We need six to eight seconds at most between state, and then we need another record right away. So, you know... Well, I, I, I've just exactly had the same problem, and I, out here on this coast, we have a lot of older people who, who need, not, not just want, they need the contact that, that, that we can provide for them. Um, yes. And, and because we haven't got a radio station, which is a talk station now, I looked at the situation and I thought well okay if I get all those that are now able to use computers I can put my messages out um, this, this particular podcast for example I, I'll put out in I've got um, I'll tell you where it's going to go I, I go to Bangladesh with it I've got a, a radio station there oh my god <laughs> I go to uh, Family Radio 1 in the UK I go 
to Blah Talk in Ohio, WSDI in <laughs> Chicago, and uh, WROM in Detroit. So, I mean, I'm, I'm putting all my stuff around lots of really, really influential places. We've, I, I, you're, you're there with other people that want to take photographs and everything. And, and you know, the whole thing was um, very, very hot. Uh, the guy that was the compere I thought was very good. He was, um, uh, I, he, I think he owns the Follies, doesn't he, in Palm Springs? Oh, he's quite a character. He, <laughs> he really, uh, and he runs that, he runs that production with an iron hand. I am telling you, I've been in the business a long time. I've never been part of any kind of, uh, show where it was run with the precision and the professionalism and the polish that uh, that they have with that whole crew backstage everything is timed down to the second yes and they yes. treat you like kings you know you you leave your wardrobe at the uh, at the end of the show in the evening you come back the next day it's all been cleanly pressed and put back in your closet i mean it's just a fabulous experience and he's I've known him forever when I was an executive at NBC I produced a lot of television over the years he used to come to me because he was a big television entrepreneur up in Canada and he would come to meet me at NBC here in LA and pitch shows so our paths had crossed decades ago in a different context so suddenly here I was performing with him in his show and it was great fun to re reunite so yeah. I, I, somebody else met while I was out there which uh, again I, I don't know if you'll know this gentleman was a guy called Dan Westfall who has so it doesn't ring a bell well he, he has um, he looks after Cheetah the Chimp who is the oldest living oh, sure yeah yes. um, well we became quite good friends because of my contact with well my father-in-law is uh, they have a duo called the Bur the Bakers and yes you told me that yeah he's a very well liked I mean he's 86 and he's had two replacement knees and he has a very, very rapid-fire uh, show. I, d I did a couple of bookings with him, um, did a couple of uh, numbers w on each of his shows. When uh, when we went to the Elks, for example, um, which I loved. You know, I just, I just like, I love doing what I do anyway. But to be able to say sure. I, I've done it over in the States is something absolutely wonderful, you know. <laughs> um, but no, it was wonderful. And, and we're coming back probably, uh, we'll probably be over... February and March of next year. Oh, I do hope you'll look us up. I would love to get together and raise a pint and say <laughs> hello, and uh, really, I'd, I'd very much enjoy that. Well, I, I would as well, because quite frankly, as I say, I love the, the professionalism of your show. I thought the presentation... I, I try to do the same in a zany way. It sounds a bit crazy, but you know, I grew up with all the American uh, rock and roll, and I listened yeah. to... Um, I don't know if you ever would have heard of a guy who was on the American Forces Network um, over in Europe. He ran a show, and his name was Gene Weed. Um, oh, Gene! I know Gene. You don't. I've known Gene forever. You don't. Oh yeah. Is he, he still a disc jockey at KFWB? The Weedy Wonder, they he, call him. Is he still alive? I I don't know if he is or not. He when he came uh, when he got out of radio, he produced a lot of television specials. Oh, I would love country music awards and so <sighs> forth and so on. So he got very active in television. Oh, I'd love wow. to I'd love to speak with him because he had such an influence on me. Because uh, it was a, weed, the weedy wonder. Yeah, yeah he, he, I mean it was always so silly this really, but you know as a small as as a sixteen year old listening in to the radio station, you know he he used to always say, um, "Now this week here's this week's Gene." Weed rascal. <laughs> it was just a little thing that 
stuck with me, you know. And I, I I'll, just I'll do a little research and see if I can find him. I, I know a few people that may know his work. Oh, that would that would be him. marvelous. Um, I have another friend who is eighty three, and he comes out. I don't know whether he goes to California, but he um, wrote all the songs and the hits for the Brotherhood of Man. Um, ah. and his name is Tony Hiller. Don't um. No, I don't think I know him. Well, he he's 83, and uh, he acts as if he's about 53. He's absolutely amazing. <laughs> he's inspirational, you know. I'll tell you, this business keeps you young. I, I, that's the same with me. I just uh, feel like a kid up there. It's lovely, isn't it? And, I mean, you know, things like what we're doing now, um, it, it, it's just an absolutely wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to do. Um, the technology is helping me now. I can actually put this together. I'll have a nice package by tomorrow. I'll have a nice page uh, with, the, with the podcast on it, and I'll send this out to all the different contacts I have. Obviously, send you a copy of what I'm doing. Oh, wonderful. And oh, um, link it up, link, I'll link it up to the Full Preps um, website as well, you know. Thank you. Thank you. So, look, um, I'm really, really so pleased that you phoned me back. And um, oh, I'm, 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 Again, I just am embarrassed about this morning. Oh, you mustn't, you, you mustn't be. No, you mustn't be, because, um, you, you know, um, well, for a start, we've had a lovely conversation. And um, obviously, you, you know, um, I, I remember, do you remember the boxer Henry Cooper? Yes. Uh, you know, the guy that put um, Cassius Clay on the seat of his pants. Well, yeah. Sir Henry, um, he sadly died about, oh, it was only about three months ago now. And um, I always remember on, on the show, um, I'd continued on because I was doing this on the radio station. And I, I thought we'd missed each other. And the phone went and it was uh, Henry Cooper. And he said, uh, he said, I'm really sorry to have, to have uh, missed your call. You know, it's like my heart was missing a beat because this this guy is always just somebody that's so special, and he's telling me that he's sorry that he's missed me my call. You know, um, I, I think sometimes you know if we're not careful, you, you can lose perspective on things. And I know as I've grown older, I've tried to get a better perspective on things. You know, so it's as so a, funny. I, I take our little dog for a walk uh, when I'm in town, and we were starring in the Follies with the tuxedos and all the grandeur and everything, and then I would come back here on the two or three days off that we had to L.A. and walk the dog, and as I'm bending over with my plastic bag, picking up his <laughs> dropping. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, this is good. This is a leveler. This is getting me, yeah. so I don't get too full of myself at the Follies. This is definitely taking me back down to earth. Yes, yeah. <laughs> do, do you know just a quick thought about Palm Springs. Do you know what I can't understand? Um, I, I've never known anywhere where there's been. I couldn't see any flies. There were no flies about. Well, what an interesting observation. Well, I think it's it's too damn hot for the flies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was certainly. Um, you know, I, I I hate flies, but uh, you know, I I just we were sitting one day um, having a nice cup of coffee at. So, oh no, we went we went went for a slider. Um, this place that oh, uh, sure. you know we'd been recommended, and I, I said to my wife, I said, "Do you know what? I can't see. There's no flies about." And and it was remarkable. I never thought of that. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. I don't know whether it's because everywhere's so clean or what it is, but it was it was absolutely outstanding. Well, I think they just it, there's an ordinance they don't allow flies. <laughs> <laughs> there's a law against it. So where where is your next uh, gig? Where would you go from from 
today? Well, we're doing a lot of uh, local gigs uh, during the summer here. We do a lot of country clubs. You know, the vintage of our audience is such that uh, there are a lot of retired people who play golf and yes. enjoy the country club life. So I'm trying to think where we are next. I think we do the Brentwood Country Club, then we do the Bel Air Country Club. We also do a lot of... Um, high school and college reunions. Fabulous, so, yeah. You know, the, the high school class of 1960 uh, will have us come and perform for their reunion dance and dinner. And uh, and then and we take off uh, in December and do a great many Christmas shows back east in Cleveland and Toledo and Columbus, Ohio, all through that area. And then in February, we'll start a a lot, very long tour through Florida. Wow! Obviously, a lot of our retired fans are down there as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, we uh, we keep pretty busy. I, I'm I'm enjoying it as much as I ever have, more well, than I ever have. I have a feeling Burks, the Bakers, do a similar sort of um, uh, work because they they tend to go to the retirement villages and the con yes. you know, and and basically um, from the crowds that we've seen and been with them, and when I was doing my uh, my my little uh, part of their act. Um, the, the 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 age group was lovely. I mean, you know, I I remember at one gig, um, I I thought they were having a leg pull because um, from the stage, Burke said, "Well, we're going to uh, do a song now and dedicate this to," uh, and he gave a name, who is a hundred on Monday. Oh my God! And this this guy stood up. He looked absolutely wonderful, and um, after the show, uh, you know, because that was during their the show, we went over to say hello, and his wife was about 94, and the pair of them were up dancing on the, the dance floor, and I, I mean, it's like that film Cocoon when we come over, you oh, know, yes. I, yes. I think it's marvellous, in, <laughs> in fact, the first time we came out, we, we were with um, a guy who'd been a Top Gun pilot trainer, and his wife had danced uh, as part of the um, review with um, Fred Astaire and Gigi Rogers. Oh my! And and oh my. Uh, you can imagine. I mean, we, this is our first visit to to the states, and it was about one in the morning. We're sitting in uh, this uh, lovely pool that was keeping us nice and warm, and this lady starts uh, talking to us about line dancing, which at that time wasn't you know wasn't as prevalent as it is these days. That's right. Yeah. And uh, she said, "Well, I used to be a dancer." and starts telling us about working with Fred Astaire. And then, she was in her 80s, by the way. Uh, the next thing, she's out of the pool showing us high kicks. And oh doing, and it was absolutely amazing. And you know, um, her husband is is Rudy. He is now into his nineties. Last time we came over, he didn't look actually too healthy because you know, obviously, he was into his nineties. But I mean, these are the sorts of people that we're meeting, and and I just can't believe how wonderful it is. Well, when I was uh, going to Hollywood High School, we were lo located on Sunset Boulevard, right down the road from all the major studios, Paramount and NBC and so forth. So when I would hitchhike home after school, well, I'd get picked up by movie stars constantly, Dean Martin, Nat Cole. Oof. Uh, and uh, one day I was hitchhiking, and I was a little, you know, white-haired kid, very, very short with 
shock of white blonde hair. So obviously I looked harmless. The hitchhiking in those days was still safe to do. Yes. And I got picked up by a gentleman in a beautiful convertible who waved me over, and I jumped in, and we headed down Sunset Boulevard, and he started to ask me what I was studying at school and what did I want to do. And I said, well, I want to be a singer, and I have a group called the Four Preps, and I really want to pursue that. My, my parents want me to go to college and be an accountant or a lawyer, but I really want to pursue the music. And he said, well... I must tell you, you sound so enthusiastic when you talk about the music. Obviously, you love it, and that's where your heart is. I think you should pursue it and go after your dream. And after we drove a few more blocks, I looked up at his face and realized it was Fred Astaire. Oh, fantastic. Oh, isn't that amazing? <laughs> that's the opening of my book, by <laughs> that story. Oh, that is absolutely wonderful. And he let me off at the corner, at my corner, and as he drove off, he he, he yelled back to me, I'm going to be listening for the four preps oh, radio. Oh, isn't that lovely? And of course, yeah. you know, when, when we went last time, I hadn't been to Hollywood the first time we came out. Uh, so we, we went and actually looked at all the stars on, on the walk and, you know... Sure. You know, Hollywood High School's one block down from the Chinese Theater, so... Uh, well, I grew up in that neighborhood and around that... So when we signed with Capitol Records, which is just a few blocks up the street, you know, what a thrill that was. And, and I can only say thank you once again so much for phoning me back. Um, oh, my pleasure. And, and I'm going to now work at making this a lovely podcaster, and I'll let you have the link and let you know where it, where it can be found. And look at you, Rascal. When you get over here, you better let us know about it. We'd love to see you and, and say hi and greet you face-to-face. I know we've done it once before at the Follies, but uh, let's renew our friendship when you get back. I'll do, I'll do that. I, I will be in touch. Very good, very good, man. Bruce, thanks very much indeed for all your time. You're welcome indeed, my friend. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.